Have you ever wanted to do something but struggled to take the first steps? Had an idea you've loved but have been too scared to follow through? Being faced with a blank page, open screen, empty room and just not knowing where to start? This podcast might just be for you. Hi, I'm Rafaro and you're listening to Starting is the Hardest Part. A monthly podcast where I chat to people at the beginning of their creative journeys, working towards their dreams and in the process of building lives and careers that they love. It's about starting and seeing things through, the highs and the lows. I'll be sharing my experiences, having conversations with people I admire and hopefully talking to you. So let's start. A couple of weeks ago, I received my 2019 planner in the post. And while the planner itself was great, the packaging and little gifts that came along with it were what stuck with me the most. There was a rose gold pen engraved with the words believe in yourself and postcards printed with quotes and sayings. When I read what was written on the first postcard, I knew I had to share it with you. A dream written down with a date becomes a goal. A goal broken down into steps becomes a plan. A plan backed by action makes your dreams come true. Every once in a while, I retreat. I remove myself almost completely from my everyday life and go somewhere where I won't be interrupted with a notebook, some snacks and a drink. And then I write. Write my dreams and my goals, my fears and what I'm fighting, where I am and where I want to go next. If you go online, you'll find numerous studies about how writing your goals down helps you to achieve them. And if you look back far enough, you'll find that the vast majority of successful people credit their success in part to putting pen to paper and crystallising their goals. Like today's guest. When she was 17, she wrote a list of things she dreamed of doing before she went to university. Now, five years later, she has achieved them and more. This month, I spoke to Rebecca Kofi, the founder of the student fashion magazine Subcultured. We talked about how she got into the world of fashion, what it was like to launch a magazine from scratch, and the challenges and lessons she learned through starting. Rebecca has a really interesting story. So this month, I stepped back a little, and rather than sharing our conversation, I let her tell her own story. So if you're interested in media, fashion, publishing, or would just love to be inspired by someone who made the decision to start something new, this episode is for you. Here's Rebecca. Well, I was kind of late to it in a way. Like, I think I was always like quite a creative person, but I feel like school kind of inhibited it a bit. I was looking for like Halloween costume in like a sixth form party, and like I just stumbled across this blogger called Clothes Encounters. Also, someone called She Wears Fashion. Like, her blog was like literally amazing. Like, she's only like a couple years older than me. So yeah, I started watching like YouTubers and following bloggers, and like they used to talk about fashion a lot. And um, you know, when you're in school, you know, it's not like the best times. So it's a bit, you know a bit down and like I, I kind of use it as like an escape in a way and like I was like oh my god that's so cool. There's someone called Shameless Maya. She wasn't like to do with fashion but I think she motivated me to get my comfort zone and try a lot of different things. Naturally I did, I did photography at A level and um, we had to specialise in like a particular type of photography and so I just kind of chose fashion because I thought oh this makes sense I love watching fashion bloggers. I consume a lot of fashion photography like magazines and things like that. Like that went really well and then I was, I was like wow this is such a cool industry like because I guess with fashion, yeah, you really see like one side of it. You just see like, the, the designer, but I saw like a whole other side of it, like the media aspect. For photography A-level, we had to do like a project and I basically went to Fashion Week. I just turned up when it was in Somerset House, so anyone could just kind of walk in. And I basically did some street style photography. Yeah, I turned up, started to take pictures of people, like just randomly. I was only like, what, six, 
17. 17? Yeah, so it's really scary, but like, I learned a lot of things that year that getting out of your comfort zone is a really good thing to do because you can get amazing things can happen. And actually, amazing things did happen. Like, I went I went to the cafe in the courtyard to get like a drink, and then this person kept looking at me. And then, yeah, we just got talking. And then, because I think she was there by herself, I was there by myself. Because you're a fashion blogger, you get free tickets to shows and things. And she had like, I don't even think she had a spare, but like she thought, oh, you just come with me, like I'll just get you in. And, and I got into the photographer's pit of that show actually, like which was perfect for my photography A-level. I think that kind of paved the way for a lot of things that happened in my gap year. In school, I was just kind of fed up with everything. Like I was really stressed because of A-levels in university. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I, I had a lot of pressure. I was like really idealistic, like student in, in school. And I was like, oh, I want to apply to like American universities, like Ivy Leagues and stuff. So I did that in year 13 and it was just crazy. Like it was just so fucking stressful. And I was like, what the hell have I gotten into? And my mum suggested, oh, you should take a gap year. Or she said something about a gap year. And I was like, hmm. And I thought about it more. And I thought about what I could do in that gap year. And I was like, oh my God, this could be a chance to like be free. I started looking for opportunities in, in the summer before the gap year. And I thought, okay, if something comes up, I'll defer my offer. But something, things came up straight away. I think just, the doors just opened. It's like it was just meant to be. Over that summer, I was looking for like internships and opportunities. Yeah, and so I started to apply to some like random model agencies. So I figured that I wanted to get more into the creative direction aspect of fashion, like the overseeing campaigns, shoots, things like that. Because it was more around the photography, so I wanted to kind of do a bit of everything. So casting, social media. Yeah, I just started emailing some random model agencies and like one of them replied to me and then I went down there for an interview and I got like an internship. It sounds so straightforward, like, but yeah, I know, but a lot of like, I, a lot of things in that gap just opened up for me, like, it just happened because I think because I had quite a tough time the year before in school. I think it was like kind of a reward for all my hard work. Yeah, so I think that was my first like internship, I guess, in fashion, but it wasn't really what I expected to be honest. It was quite like administration, like, I wasn't really getting paid that much. I wasn't even getting paid at all, not even expenses. But it was still something like to kind of get the motivation on. Yeah, I just started looking more internships after that. I really wanted something that was a bit more hands-on. And I just got a random social media internship with like a small vintage startup company. And it was really good because it was just me and her. And so I had loads of responsibility. I was doing loads of things. And I could like input ideas. And it was small, but like it was still like an amazing opportunity. I was working in Shoreditch every day. And it was just it was just so good. I put forward an idea to do a photo shoot to like advertise the brand. And I put together like an event with like bloggers and things like that. So I was just doing so many things. In October, this fashion blogger that I met at Fashion Week in Pride when I was doing the street style called Adita, she basically won a competition with Zalando, uh, the German company. And the prize was basically to go to Berlin for like two nights to do a photo shoot. She could bring a plus one and she chose me. I went to Berlin in October for two days. Like, yeah, and so I was just like on a high. And then January, I wanted to do more Fashion Week opportunities. And so I started looking into that. And I started to look at casting directors. So then I helped out with London Fashion Week casting as the casting assistant. And yeah, basically the models would walk in, I had to take pictures of them, full face, body shot, and like the designer would be there as well. And I was like with another girl who's a student. But I think I realised from all of it, I didn't, didn't really want to work with models to be honest, because it's too administrative. I wanted to do something more creative, like the social media role. I was like creating content. So I, was, I was still like, I don't think I'm going to like work for a model agency, but I feel like the face, like faces and like casting interests me quite a lot. And then March, I did Teen Vogue Fashion University. It was basically the year before like, my gap year, and I like wrote down everything I wanted to do in my gap year. And I came across this, and I was like, wow, that's an amazing opportunity, New York. Like, I always like, felt like some type of way about New York, I don't know why, like, it's just such an exciting city. So I wrote it down, and I was like, okay, I'm definitely gonna like, 
keep track of this when the application is open so I can apply straight away. I didn't really hear anything, but I like added them on Twitter a few times and they actually got back to me saying that it's coming soon. And I kind of forgot about it and I was on the train. I think I was reading Teen Vogue actually and then I just saw an advert in Teen Vogue for it. I was like, yes, it's back, I can apply. So yeah, I applied. And yeah, um, it's basically a, a, a series of talks with fashion professionals like Elaine Bolterov before she was the editor-in-chief, she was only the beauty editor. I met Jason Wagenheim, Amy Athley, the editor-in-chief. And like before then, I met a lot of other fashion people on Facebook, um, like students that were going. And I met a lot of friends. I'm actually now still friends of today. Like, they really didn't imagine that, to be honest. But yeah, like there were many American students who were like going to FIT or like Parsons later. It was, a, it was a really good networking like opportunity to meet other people, other like-minded individuals. Yeah, like it was actually just crazy. Like the amount of things I did in that gap year, like they really did pave the way for what's happening now. Without that gap year, I definitely probably wouldn't have started cultured. So I had an idea to do street style for the stack and I emailed the fashion editor but she said the fashion section was full or that we're not taking any more people so I was like oh that's a shame like, I just want to do some street style and I like, get it published like campus street style and I thought oh how cool would it be if there was like a fashion magazine like on campus or a creative magazine and I googled it randomly didn't really think that it'd be a thing but then like loads of results came up of publications like the culture in American universities I, I kind of thought okay who could I like recruit for it and I thought about a few creative people that I met at the university but then this guy he wants to start a creative society and he sent me a math email saying I want to start a society for creatives and so I joined it obviously but then I thought this math email could be a really good way to recruit people for subcultured. And so I sent around a math email in the university school system. Because back in those days, anyone could just send around an email to like anyone, any like particular group. And then, um, yeah, I got like over 150 replies of people saying that they'd be interested in joining me. And I was like, wow. Like, I put like, up a few links of um, stuff that I saw on Google about American universities and how there was a gap in the market or something like this. that sorry. And then, yeah, that was a month before they stopped students being able to do send out mass emails. And so I really got there in time. Like, otherwise, I don't know how else I would have got people for the magazine. And it was a really good way to raise awareness about what's going to come as well. I think I was just quite lucky that quite a few keen people stepped forward and like I kind of noticed them from the beginning. Like Catherine, our editorial director, she's so like she was so like amazing basically. She was very talented and she was quite hardworking as well. So it's easy for her to gather up people. There was a guy called Chris Edfi who did our first street style. He was a photographer as well. And then yeah, another a few other people stood out to me, like Satari, who's our photo director, and like yeah, this was three years ago and she's still the photo director today. So I was just very lucky that I had a few key people. So yeah, yeah, it was it was like it was quite easy to get people to come together for the idea because of their mass the math email like that math email just changed everything basically i don't know why it, like it worked so much but i think a lot of people had a burning need to like do something creative and i think this kind of fulfilled it for them now i think about it like our first issue wasn't really like that cohesive but Koyan, do you know um she was a vp yeah she like had the idea to do like the launch issue or she said it in a meeting and so that like came through and then someone else had the idea to do the balloon shoot with like the pink yeah and that came through as well yeah and so kind of merged everyone's ideas together in a way and it kind of just happened to work out. Yeah, the, I think the articles were quite easy to do because one person was managing everyone. But I think when it came to the photo shoots, it was a lot harder because it involved like, what, seven people on average per shoot. And a lot of the things in like, were actually last minute, like the cover of the first issue was done like, what, the day before the release. Most of the stuff is done like, so last minute. But yeah, especially like at the beginning, it was all quite last minute. I think one shoot that was really cool was the star photo shoot. We did it in like a mansion in Guildford. Yeah, that was actually an amazing experience, yeah. I had such a lit day like that day. It was quite easy to balance because we weren't actually creating any content up until after exams, so February 2016. And then basically everything basically exploded and like it was literally just so much. Like I 
prioritize subcultures over everything like over my health my course because i just like, i think especially at the launch like you kind of have to like give everything over when you're starting a business There was just so much going on all the time. I remember like people would send me messages directly, each of the directors, because they still kind of needed like advice and things like that. Like, so I'd come out of lecture and literally have six messages, six like different threads going from six different people. And I tried to reply to them all at once. It just got so overwhelming. Like, now I actually think about it, like it was actually ridiculous, but I think that was needed to launch it. I remember I had to like, I felt like I had to kind of have a lot of fun saying everything. I felt like I had to like have an input in almost everything. I think I was just doing too much. Basically. I was doing like every aspect of the magazine. Like, like when you look at like the first issue, I pretty much had an input in pretty much everything, but I don't really think that's how a magazine is supposed to run because like things are supposed to be delegated. I thought in university, yeah, you have group meetings, but like it's really you're working independently, you're working for yourself to get your own degree. And I think that's the biggest thing I learned that can actually apply to the workforce because in the workforce it's all about team, like you know, movement. You're, you're a team player, but in university it's very much just independent study, isn't it? Yeah, I think like I think my health really is like. A big thing I've learned that you really need to take out time for yourself because especially around the launch like I got burnt out and I didn't really think that was maybe at the beginning I guess it was kind of necessary but I didn't really think it was necessary like later yeah well I had to like just write down like what's not working like I had to create a plan for, like self-care and and food and yeah and just make sure like yeah just make write down a plan so that includes like meditation what kind of things I'm eating how often I'm going to the gym I'm hoping to go freelance and like work with different companies in like different areas of content creation pretty much. I need to prepare for that before just so I know I'm in a good place when I graduate. I hopefully do like freelancing and then subcultured. We're hoping to like um, take subcultured to become like a national student publication basically um, and like reach out, branch out to other universities not just Surrey and kind of like keep it going as like an actual business. Yeah so that's kind of like the goal for this year and even if like we don't get anything back this year we want to I want to try after like a year after graduation just to keep it going and then we'll see what happens really. When you're feeling uninspired, Rebecca's advice is to go for a walk, go outside. Yeah, because I think just sitting at a desk is a bit like, can't really get inspiration from just sitting at a desk, can you? She thinks the hardest part of starting something new is growing it and everything, making it like successful. And she would tell her younger self, keep on going, keep persevering, because the only way to success is failure. Thank you for interviewing me. Yeah, it was so good. I love this room. Like, this is such a cool space as well. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling really inspired. Since I last spoke to her, Rebecca and Subcultured have continued to thrive. Since launching in 2016, Subcultured has released five print editions and continues to share content both on their website and Instagram. Rebecca has also branched out and is currently in the works of creating a campus matchmaking society. To find out more, head to the description where I'll be sharing some links. When it comes to things that sound good for me, I'm pretty easily influenced. One of my friends mentioned that she was Marie Kondoing her life, and so when I went back to my parents' home over the weekend, I decided to do the same thing. I pulled out each drawer, emptied out each cupboard, and began the process of letting go of everything that no longer sparked joy. I found books I'd last read when I was six years old, broken jewellery I'd never gotten around to fixing, and piles and piles of notebooks filled with lists and observations, and let's just say they spark joy. 
As I sat there, in the room that had been my happy place since the summer I turned nine, I leafed through the pages. I read through the dreams I'd once had, and to my surprise, began to realise that they were now my reality. That the goals that had once seemed so far away had become my everyday. That the dreams I'd written down had become goals. That I'd broken them down and made plans. Plans that were slowly coming true. So, I have a challenge for you. Whether you're at the beginning or have been doing what you love for years, write down your goals, display them somewhere visible, and read them aloud each day. Writing down your goals isn't the whole story. It wasn't Rebecca's, and it's not mine. But it was the start. And while starting is the hardest part, you've got to start somewhere. Starting is the Hardest Part is a podcast released on the first Monday of every month. You can get in contact with me at the email address startingpod at gmail.com or send me a tweet at Faith. That is R-U-F-A-R-O-F-A-I-T-H-H. I'm always looking for new stories, perspectives, people to interview and people to ask little questions for the Q&A part of the podcast. So if you're starting something big, starting something small, want to be involved or just want to have a chat, feel free to send me a message. And now to the part of the podcast where I ask you to do something. If you want to help support this podcast, could you do me a massive favor? Send me some feedback. In the show notes, there's a link to the survey for this episode. And I'd love it if you told me what you liked, didn't like, or would like to hear more of in the next episode. And now this is the part of the podcast where I ask you to do something. If you want to help support this podcast, could you do me a massive favor? Send me some feedback. In the show notes, there's a link to the survey for this episode, and I'd love it if you told me what you liked, didn't like, or would like to hear more of in the next episode. Your feedback would really help me grow and make each episode better than the one before, so if you can, thank you so much. And as always, make sure to subscribe or sign up to my monthly pre-episode newsletter, which will also be linked in the show notes and show notes, show notes, show notes show notes and I really hope you have a wonderful few weeks until we chat again and also you know a wonderful life after that but um I think that wonderful life would be sustained by continued listening to starting the hardest part but I think it's time for me to say goodbye so bye